Chaf Aleph. All right, Daf Chaf Aleph is today. We are three lines from the bottom of Chaf Amud Beis, and we are discussing a Kain Gadol Shemes, a Kain Gadol that passes away. So we had a Machlekes in the Mishnah, whether um, to bring his Minchas Chavitin, we use general communal funds, or whether the inheritors of the Kohen Gadol pay for this. Now let's, I want to give a quick introduction to this because this is very, very interesting. There's a, a phenomenal idea. All right? And here's what's going on. As we're going to see in the Gemara, uh, we're going to see in the Gemara the following, uh, the following observation, that the decree of the rabbis about whether you should use communal funds or whether one should use, Rabbi Yehuda says, it should, be, it should come from the Yarshim, it should come from the inheritors, is the following. During the second Beis HaMikdash, we know there were a lot of Kohanim Gedolim, a lot of high priests that were not really fit to be Kohanim Gedolim, and they would die from the Kedusha, from entering the areas of Kedusha, they would pass away. Okay? Usually, um, it, they, they would serve for less than a year. Ah, you're going to ask them why they do it in the first place? Because they for sure thought that they were tzaddikim, right? They thought they're going to be the one, they're the one that's fit to be appointed as Kain Gadol. Now what happened was, since it was so common for the Kohanim Gedolim to pass away, um, initially what they would do is, every time they needed to raise funds for the Mincha, they would go out and make a collection from the community. And it got to a point where it was ridiculous. They couldn't keep going back to the people to... Uh, to ask them to keep donating more money to it. So they ultimately decided that um, the children of the Kahanim Gadolim, this is a risk that he's taking as, uh, for becoming a Kohen Gadol. His children are going to have to shoulder that burden. Okay? Now sometimes the children do not want to shoulder the burden, and then ultimately that's the Tanakama who says that, so they just took it from the general communal funds as opposed to making a, uh, a brand new collection for these Minchas Chavitin. Okay, so very, very uh, interesting background to this Gemara that we're getting into. All right, here we go. Three lines to the bottom of the Chafam Rebbeis. Kangagosh Mesa, Kangagosh, that passes away. Zok the Gemara, Rabbi Babar Mamuboy, Rabbi Babar Mamuboy, Rabbi Babar Mamuboy, Rabbi Babar Mamuboy, Rabbi the Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon switched around the opinions, okay? Tamon Omar Mishal Yarshim. That over there, um, in Shkalim, Rav Shimon says that you use the inheritors, the children of the Kain Gadol's money. But over here, it's uh, over here in uh, in the Brisa that we just mentioned. It says that you're using Michel Tzibor. So he's bothered. Rav Babar is is bothered as to Rav Shimon's opinion. Here we go. We're going to turn to today's daf. Amar Rav Chia, Amar Rav Chia, says. He says that I don't like your question, and I'll tell you why. And quoted Rabbi Avo. Who quoted Rabbi The money should be used from communal funds. However, we would say, oh, you know, you're supposed to use communal funds. But ultimately, you know, we said, let's collect from the inheritors. And then, like Mamish, like we explained, it was supposed to be a new collection. I 
they changed it because it was getting ridiculous, the amount of, of fundraising campaigns because the Kain Gadol was dying within the year all the time. So then the Bezdin made a, they made a tonight Bezdin, made a condition, the money can now start being used from the Truma Salishka. All right. What happens when the Kain Gadol dies? Did they bring an additional mincha that you brought two complete ones, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, or did they just bring a complete one in the morning? And it became bottle in the afternoon. And if you're going to answer it, that it's uh, that the answer is quite simple to this question. It says you need a mincha tamid, which means always you can't be mavato the afternoon one. So then I'll ask you, shleishes lug in mahein. What about the lug? What about the oil that gets poured along with the mincha? Shleish lug and shleish lug ben arbaim. Do you bring three lug in the morning and in the afternoon? I lug and melch the shleish lug and melch the ben arbaim. Okay. Amar Rebchizki, Amar Rebchizki says, Ufa dotri chale. And I want to add on a question. Okay. So first of all, we asked, what about the morning and afternoon? And for the mincha itself. And if you're going to tell me that it's pashit, that it's so simple, because it says mincha tamid, well, what about the oil that accompanies the mincha? Says Rav I'm going to ask you another kasha. Shnei kumtzim bahim. What about the two kmitzas of levaina that are brought with the mincha? Shnei kumtzim b'shach, shnei kumtzim b'shach, shnei kumtzim Do you bring two and two? Oy kaimitzachas b'shachas, oy kaimitzachas, shalbein harbaim. So we have a few things that need to be figured out, right? We need to know the, the mincha, the oil, and the Levina, and for the Gemara, I'm Rav Yisa Klum Lomdu Lekaimetz Lebe Minchas Chayte. Didn't we learn out that all the halachas of a of a kaimetz are coming from anything else besides for a Minchas Chayte? That's where the halachas are learned out from. Malalon Shnei Kumsim, and just like by a Minchas Chayte, you bring two Avkan Shnei Kumsim. So, so over here, you see, you bring a total. Of two kmitzas, he wants to know: Do you bring one and one? Do you bring two and two? He says over here, you see, it's uh, it's it's two and two. So at least we have an answer for the levaina. Um, Rav Chizkia says, is that really true? All the halachas aren't all the halachas of lug, right? That was the second question. Learned out for the tamar shabin arbaim, and I'll ask, answer you from there as well. That you do three and three. Okay, and you know what? Ultimately, the same way by a chatos. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, the same way by a tamid shabin arbayim. We end up misupik. We end up in doubt as to whether it's a total of three or three and three. So too, we're going to end off with a shaila over here. So the Gemara asked three shailas, and only answered the third shaila in a straightforward manner. Period. Two dots. Here we go. Next part of the Mishnah said, Shalo Yihiyah. The Bezdin made a Tanai. They made a condition that if somebody uses the ashes of the Paraduma, there's no Me'ila. Let's get into this. Roshul Bar Nachman, Shem Rav Yainasan. Roshul Bar Nachman says the name of Rav Yainasan. Bedin Haya Shayimaloba. Really, Midai Raisa, if he used the ashes of the Paraduma, it should be considered Me'ila. You should be over the Raisa. It should be a biblical transgression. The Chavim made a Gzeira. They changed it like the Mamish. They changed the, the, the Me'ila Halacha. They changed it around. But we learned out how, how could the Rabbanan change it around? You learn from Chatas. 
that you're only in the paraduma, but not in the affair. So you see that don't tell me that the court changed the transgression that otherwise would have been biblically. If biblically itself, it tells us a drasha, which is that you're only mile in the actual para, but the ashes is not a me'ila. That's a drasha from the Torah. That's a verse. So you see that even midaraisa, there's no me'ila on the ashes. Amr Rebbevo, says, that originally they would be mishtakik with it. Okay, what does it mean, mishtakik? They would use it unnecessarily, um, uh, not unnecessarily, I'm sorry. Mishtakik means that, yeah, it's unnecessarily meaning inappropriately. They would use it, they would use it for in, things that are inappropriate for its level of kedusha. And they used to use it as bandages. They would put on top of their cuts. So then the Rabbana really meet the rice, there's no meal. Right? Because it says, Chatas, only with it and at its ashes. So people started using it for bandages. They put on their cuts. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you know what? We don't want people doing this. That's not respectful. So we're going to say it's me'ilah. And then once people stopped using it on their cuts, so they made a gzera that the way it really is, midairaisa, that there's no longer me'ila. Okay? Gishmak. So the Rabbanon ultimately and the dairaisa go hand in hand. There's really no me'ila on the ashes of the paradu. All right. Next, Allah the Mishnah, we said the Rabbanon made a gzera al hakinim. When the birds, when you bring a set of birds for Karbanas and they get lost or they get mixed up. Says the Gemara, This woman who's bringing her two birds, what is she trying to get a kapara for? Omar of Yisrael, Tanai Bezdin, who a person who makes sipuk, gives enough birds, who misapek es hapsoilas ve'es ha'oilas, it's also going to, it basically you're putting into a general fund to not only help yourself, but also help other situations, other people that are bringing these birds that uh, possibly could have gotten lost and could have gotten mixed up. They made that like an automatic understanding. You go, you're giving these donations of birds. Well, guess what? It's going into the Keenum discretionary fund. It's going to be at the Kehanim's discretion. To decide how to use that. Hadron Allah, Hadron Allah, Perak Mois, Shanimsu, Hadron Allah, Perak Mois, Shanimsu, Hadron Allah, Perak Mois, Shanimsu, Mazatov to all of us who finished the seventh Perak of Shkolim. And now we begin the final and last Perak of Miseches Shkolim. Here we go. Mishnah Halacha Aleph, first Halacha of the eighth Perak. All right, we're familiar with some of these halachas. This is going to take us into the halachas of Tumah and Tara. All right, if you find spit, Reich, back then they used to have spittles, things to spit into. Now we know that there are certain people who become Tame that their spit continues to transmit Tumah. So if you find spit in Yerushalayim, or somebody touches spit that's inside of a spittle, the halacha is, you can assume that the spit inside is tahar, and you are not tameh. Except for the shukha elyon. Okay, the shukha elyon is one of the, uh, the higher marketplaces. Okay, and um, 
the Gemara is going to tell us that there were a lot of non-Jewish people who, uh, who uh, basically operated like laundromats in the upper marketplace. That was like the business that went on there and they were not careful about Tumah and Tara, and therefore in the upper shuk, as we're going to see on the Gemara Numbered Bays, you needed to be more strict. Okay. Dibir Rabbi Meir, there's a opinion of Rabbi Meir. Basically, he says, B'shar Kleim HaShashana, She'a Be'emtza Atmeim B'tzadim Tairim. During, on a regular day in Yerushalayim, okay, on a regular day means not during the Yom Tairim. So, if you find spit in the, you know, in the middle of Yerushalayim, it's not off to the side, then it's tummy. But Bitzadim is going to be tar. If it's off to the side of the road, of the path, of the, you know, the sidewalk, then it's tar. But to middle of the road, you, can, you have to assume it's tummy. However, Bishas HaRegel, when it's Yomim Taivim, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, when Kla Yisrael comes to be Yom Regal, Sheba Emtza Tahirim, if it's the middle of the street, it's tar. V'sheba Tzadim, Tameim. Why? Says the Mishnah, Mepnei Shehamautim, Mestalkim, Litzadim, because people who are the miyot, referring to the Tomei people, they would move off to the side. All right, so here's, here's the svara, here's the logic. Back then, back then, people who were Tomei and Tahar would social distance from each other. Because they had to make sure not to touch each other and transmit Tomei. So during a regular day, when it was very common for people to be Tomei, okay? You could have a regular woman having a cycle. You could have a zav, a zava. People have, so people are tummy. They would walk down the street, and people are tar had to be, you know, on the way to the base of Mikdash or whatever they're doing. They they would walk off to the side. You know, I'm not messing with what's going on. And therefore, any spit found on the side during a regular day would be tar. Spit found in the middle of the street um, would be tummy. By regalim, where everybody's going up to the base of Mikdash, it needed to be tar. So then anybody who's tummy got out of the way. Okay, it's like uh, most people are uh, not vaccinated, and then uh, people are vaccinated, and then you, things change. If people go for vaccinations, then most people become vaccinated, and some people are not vaccinated. Everybody switches around. All right. All the vessels found in Yerushalayim, Derech Yerida, Lebeisachvil. If it's on the way to the mikvah, Tameim, you have to assume it didn't make it to the mikvah, and it's Tameim. But Derech if it's on the way back up from the mikvah, they had two different paths. So Tahar, it's Tahar. Shalai Kiridos and Aliyasan. Because the the path that people go on to the mikvah and come back from the mikvah were different paths. Every time you find the vessel in Yishalayim, no matter where it is, tahar. All right. You don't assume vessels are tamei chutz minasal ve'hamagrefa ve'hameritza hamiyuchadim lekrivus, except if you find things that have to do with burial and graves and cemeteries, shovels, hammers. And uh, uh, a basket over here is the Tikkun Chadatin explains is referring to a basket that they would carry um, the bones of a person inside. In the case, anything which you, you have to, you know, generally deals with tumma. Okay, you assume with tumma, but otherwise, no problem. All right, uh, we're going to be more lenient on vessels than we are on people. Says the Mishnah Viter Sakin. If you have a knife, Shenimtzas Barba that you find a knife, a sharp knife. <clears throat> We're referring to here a knife that's fit to slaughter, fit to shecht. Shaykhib bamiyat. You can use it to shecht. You don't have to think, ah, maybe it's tummy. No, it's tar. 
If you find it on Erev Erev Pesach, okay, you find the day before the Karim the Karim Pesach was shechted. Shainu So then you need to um, you need to go and put it into the mikveh. Okay. Now, interestingly, if you look at this word, it seems out of place. The word shainu, because the word Mishnah means to learn. It also means to return, to do something again. So what does it mean you're titling it again? What this means is that even though there's a chance that it's tahar, we're doing this lechumra. Okay, that's how we're calling it again. We're not saying that it's mamish. This knife that you find the 13th, mamish has a status of tummy. No, there's a chance it's tar. But even though there's a chance it's tar, go back. Go back and, and title it again. Okay, put it in the mikvah. Kaifitz, if a fir- person finds a butchering knife, okay, you should go and um, you should go and be tivalit. Why? So this is very interesting. A regular butchering knife is called a butchering knife because it can cut through not only meat and sinews, but also bones. The carbon Pesach, you're not allowed to cut its bones. Right? We learned. It says, You're not allowed to break the bone of a carbon Pesach. So if I find a regular butchering knife, there's no way for there's no way I'm allowed to assume that somebody was it for their carbon Pesach. That it has no shaykhs to a carbon Pesach. It has no connection to it. Because no one else, no one's allowed to touch it to a carbon Pesach. You can't use it. Okay. Chal arba also lias b'Shabbos. If erev Pesach, the day of the Shechitas Pesach, falls out on Shabbos, then shaykhet ba miyat. Okay, you're allowed to shecht it immediately, which we will get into this halacha as well. How Shabbos is different. Bachamisha asar top of Amud Beis now. And if you find on Pesach itself, you find a butcher a butchering knife. I'm sorry, uh, you find a shechita knife, you're allowed to use it for, let's say, a chagiga, okay, or a, uh, a different animal. And if you find it tied to a, uh, a chalif, a knife, then okay, then you don't need to take it back to the mikvah, because why would somebody put their, attach their butchering knife to a slaughtering knife? Why would somebody do that? If one's tame and one's tar, we're always going to assume that the shechita knife had to be tar, and if the shechita knife had to be tar, that gives the butchering knife a status of being tar as well. Okay. Gvaldik. Zog the Gemara. Let's talk about finding things in the lower or upper marketplace. Rabbi Yovan B'Shem B'Shu B'Levi, Yasham. All right, there were, uh, because there was a lot of non-Jewish people who did laundry there. Amr of Hanina, Aruroi Sayyanaychrim Shem, that um, they used to, we'll call it hunt. It's not the literal translation, but they used to, they used to hunt donkeys in the upper marketplace, okay? And this was the, um, you know, this was the uh, pastime, the national pastime, apparently, of those who worked in the upper marketplace. And they were a lot of not, this was a non Jewish thing to do. And they would spit. And therefore, we know that the Rabbana made Xera that a, there's Hilchas Zav even on Avaidas Kachav. Okay, Amr Bishuva Levi, Maisa Hayu Naikrim Arudas. There's a story 
where they would hunt um, donkeys. Be'isratya shel melech. Um, in the palace of the king. And people who are walking to Yerushalayim had, because of this pastime that they would do with all these, killing all these donkeys, the Yidden, as they were walking up to Yerushalayim, when they would pass by these mansions and palaces, the, the blood was knee-deep. And they came in front of the Chachamim. And the Chachamim said, it's okay. You could still go up to Yerushalayim. Very interesting. So this blood, the blood of these donkeys, did not make you tummy. Rav Simayim B'Shem Rav Shuv and Levi. Rav Simayim says the name of Rav Shuv and Levi. Ma'isa Befirda Michel Beis Rebbe. There was a story with the third, the mule of Rebbe's house. Shamesa, it died. Okay, Rebbe had a mule that would schlep stuff for him. V'tiaru Estamea Mishom Nevela. It died. And Rebbe Paskind that it's dam, the carcass is an avela, it might give off toma, it gives off toma, but the blood does not give off toma. Rabbi Elazar, Sha'il Rabbi Simain. So Rabbi Simain just told over a story. So Rabbi Elazar asked him a question. Ad kama. How much blood was there? Meaning, is the blood of a mule never tame? Is that what you want to learn from this story? Or did it happen to be that the amount of the, the blood of the mule was less than a revius, and that's why it was tar, but really in general, we should assume that mule blood is, ta- is uh, tame. He didn't tell him. He didn't, he didn't acknowledge the question. So, Rabbi Lazar asked Rabbi Shubhan Levi, because Rabbi Simain quoted the halacha from Rabbi Shubhan Levi. He quoted the story. From Rabbi Shuvah Levi. So, but it's okay, I'll go back to the source of the story and find out what happened. Amar Lehi, Rabbi Shuvah Levi says, Here's the story. The reason why the blood of the mule was Pascha to be tar is because it was taka less than a revius. But if it would have been more than a revius, it would be Tameh. And Rabbi Elazar was not happy. He was bosh. He was, you know, kind of insulted. That Rabbi Simon, when he told over the uh, the halacha, did not pass on that information. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Rabbi was sitting a and learning hodin uvda this story. Okay, this story of Rabbi Simon and the the third of Rabbi's house. Rabbi Barbisna. So Rabbi Yisroch Barbisna said to him, Ad kam. Okay, so we said that there wasn't so much blood. How much blood? That was the assumption as we explained, went through the Gemara. But Rav Bibi did not clarify that that's taka what happened, that it was taka Raviyas. Rav Zika, Rav Zika says, He's asking you a question and Atbot, you're kicking him. Yeah, didn't literally kick him, right? But you're, you're basically, uh, you're not giving him a good answer. It's, not, it's nothing personal. All right, except my mind was on something else. We found this before, you know. I'm middle of making a cheshben and nefesh. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got stuff on my mind. I'm in the middle of thinking, I'm meditating. I've got, uh, you know, it's baidados. I got stuff on my mind. That's why I didn't respond. I wasn't, I wasn't snobbing him out. This is talking about somebody. I'm sorry. 
This talking about somebody who buys chita, buys wheat for an entire year, and he'll be afraid day and night. This is somebody who buys their grain daily, all right, from a regular retailer. And you won't believe in your life. It's referring to somebody, excuse me, who gets the bread ready made. And I rely on the baker, right? I get my bread baked every day. And therefore, I've, my mind is preoccupied. And that's why I didn't respond, but it was nothing personal. All right, says the Gemara, fine. Nice story, nice message, very important message, okay? What's the important message? You never know what's going on in somebody else's mind, so we shouldn't jump to conclusions. My kidain. What's the halach? Hey, Rabbi Shua ben Pesaira, al-dam nevelais shehu tar. The halacha is that any blood of a nevela is tar, which means even in large amounts. The Gemara says, no, mahu tar. What does tar mean? Tar mi lahachshir? Does tar mean that it's that it's uh, mamish? No. Halatam is mitame. Okay? Uh, the blood doesn't turn something tar into tame. However, um, it, uh, the, the blood itself... One second, please. Sorry, I just knocked something over under the desk. Right. Says the Gemara, so tar mi lahakshir. It means that the, 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 like we said earlier previously, the blood of a novella doesn't, if it touches food, it doesn't make the food capable of becoming tame. However, it will make something itself tame the same way the meat of a novella has tuma. So the Gemara says, one second, but tam and we learned in the Mishnah elsewhere. Tama sheretz kibsari, the blood of a sheretz like a boss of a tame v'inamachshir, it makes tame, but doesn't make it capable of becoming tame v'inamachshir, and there's nothing else like a sheretz, and right now, you're telling me that an avela is like a sheretz, in that it can transmit tumah, but it can't make something capable of becoming tame. And for the Gemara, v'inamachshir, what does it mean? There's nothing like it, it means kishir tumasai. In the amount that a sheretz makes something tame, uh, makes something tame. Okay? A sheretz were very machmir, it's kadasha that uh, even if it's the smallest amount, like the size of a lentil, it gives off tumma. But a regular novella, like this mule of Rebbe's house, does transmit tumma the same as the baser. Okay? So, so uh, to put this together, to clarify, we're as, uh, as far as where we're up to right now, what's coming out is, is the dama novella mitame? The answer is yes. It's metami things that are already capable of becoming tummy. But if the blood itself touches something that's not capable of being tummy, that thing is still not capable of becoming tummy, and it is not tummy. Okay. Amr Rabbi Yaisi Raisi says, One says the dam novel is tummy, and one says the blood novel is tar. Who's the one that says dam of a, of a novel is tummy? Follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, man damar tarik Rabbi Yehuda The one who says tar is following the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua ben Psaira, who says that uh, there's no there's no uh, Tomas Nevelas on blood. Amalei Rav Avduma de Menachusa, Rav Avduma of Nechusa, said to him, the Yaos it is true, Rabbi Yehuda more Yona de Benesia have Rabbi Yehuda was the Paisik of the Benesia, and what did they say? And about Rebbe, about Rebbe's mule. What did they say? It's not metame. Okay? 
We said it's not metame if it's less than a revius, but like we explained in that story, it was only less than a revius. If a taco would have been more, more than a revius, it would have transmitted toma. Period. End of that part of the discussion of the Mishnah. Beautiful. All right, two dots. Here we go. The next part of the Mishnah discussed um, spit that you find on the spit that you find in different locations of Yerushalayim. Kol HaRaikin Laikein Amar Rabbi Avoh B'Shem Rebbechu Laikein Amar Rabbi Avoh B'Shem Rebbechu B'Chanina Didn't Rabbi Avoh say in the name of Rebbechu B'Chanina Le'Gazra Al-Raikin B'Shalayim They didn't make a decree on the spit of Yerushalayim which seems to be anywhere in Yerushalayim if you find spit it's going to be tar. The Rabbana did not make a gzir about that. Well if anywhere in Yerushalayim it's going to be tar why are we saying even the upper marketplace? Yeah, very nice. They might be uh, killing these donkeys. Very nice. They might be doing the laundry. Very okay. But if there's exera on the general spit of Yerushalayim, why are we being strict? After the Gemara Ha'imara we learned about it. Rabbi Yovan Mishim Rabbi Shuvan Levi. Rabbi Yovan's quoting Rabbi Shuvan Levi. Katzron Shal Nachrim Hayusham. Okay, because there's a Chazaka. That's why. Okay, like we said before, there's a Katzron Shal Nachrim. Yeah, when you have a large group of non-Jewish people with a lot of tumah there, so that's an exception to the rule. Okay. On a regular day, not around the Shalosh Regalim. What did we say in the Mishnah? People are tumah, walk in the middle of the street. If you want to stay tar, get out of the way. You stay off to the side. And therefore... The, the spit on the side of the road is tahar. Spit in the middle of the road has a chazaka being tummy. So the people are uh, and the tummy people walk in the center. It's and people who are tar have to say, hey, I'm tar, you know, please don't touch me. Around Yomtiv time, people who are tar walk down the road. And the Tomei people are the ones that have to say, get out of the way. It goes by the majority. Period. Next part of the Mishnah. And all the vessels that are found on Yerushalayim. So we said an interesting halach of the Mishnah. The first halach of the Mishnah concerning vessels until the Machlaikas was that if you find it on the path going down to the mikvah, it's Tomei. You assume it wasn't dipped in yet. It's on the way back up. It was Tar. We ultimately had a machlekas about whether we have this Gezerah at all, but that's the part of the mission that we're discussing. Didn't Rabbi Avo say in the name of Rabbi that they weren't Gezer on Kalim at all, and therefore even if it's going down to the mikvah, why are we being strict? So Gemara says, No, yeah, you know, there is a general decree on Kemushlaim that there's no gzera. But the same thing we said with the upper marketplace. And that is, yeah, spit in Yerushalayim is not tummy. But if you know, listen, you know, just use common sense. If you know that this is weird, all the non-Jewish people who aren't careful about Tumatara hang out and they deal with their novelas and they have their spit and they have a chazaka of being a zav, you're going to have to assume it's tummy. So too with the vessels. If you, yeah, a vessel in Yerushalayim doesn't have a status of being tummy. But guess what? If it's on the path going down to the mikvah, then <laughs> logic's going to state that this thing fell down being brought to the mikvah. Why are things brought to the mikvah? Because they're tame. They need to be titled. That's it. And therefore, 
you're still going to have to assume that they're tummy. Okay. Abishol would call the would call these tzipayrim. All right, now what's going on over here? So what's going on over here is the following. We're kind of like uh, coming in the middle of a conversation. And that is, we said that any vessel in Yishalayim does not have a status of being Tomei besides for equipment that is generally used for cemeteries. They would have shovels, they would have hammers, they would have baskets, right? Stones. Abishol would call the utensils of a cemetery Tzipirin. Manda Omar Tzipirin, the one who says that the, the, this was called Tzipirin, I believe is referring to the hammer that, were, that was used in the cemeteries. Shahayad Daimon Tzipirin is because the hammer came to a sharp edge like a nail, like a fingernail. That's Tzipirin, like a fingernail. Manda Omar Maritza, the one who says that the, the vessel was called the Maritza, Shemeritza es ha'even lebeis hakvaris is because they, they, uh, it was such a strong hammer that when they had to dig, a lot of times when you dig down, there's stones that get in the way of the digging. They didn't have big uh, festa bobcats and tractors like we have nowadays, right? So they had to break through, and uh, that's why it was called Maritza, because it was able to break through in order to keep the burial process going. Period. Kaifitz. What happens if you find a butchering knife? Tani, we learned. Hasakin, Kshurala. If the Shechita knife is attached to the butchering knife, Harezu Kemaisa, then it is like it. That, that uh, if it's on the wrong day, okay, and you find the two of them attached, then you're going to. The Mishra only pointed out that there's times where you're lenient on the butchering knife, like the Chalif knife, like the Shechita knife. But the, the Gemara is pointing out there's going to be times as well that you're going to have to be machmir on the shechita knife, like the butchery knife, and assume that it is tummy. Okay. Period. End of that Mishnah. Now we move on to the next Mishnah. Halacha Beis, and this will be the final Mishnah and Gemara for today. Zak the Gemara. Zak the Mishnah. Paraycha was bevlad If the paraychas in the mish in the Mishkan became Tomei through a Vlad Hatoma. Okay, not an Avatoma, but it was already a secondary Tomei. They would be table it in the mikvah of the Beis HaMikdash. Okay, and then they could use it right away. Okay, they could use it right away. They didn't need to wait uh, for nighttime. They didn't need to wait for nightfall to come for, for the Tumah to go away. The Tumah is gone as soon as they're tabled. They're, able, they're allowed to put it back on. However, if the Paraychas became Tumah through, through an Ava Tumah, uh, main category of Tumah. Lost the place, I'm sorry. So then they would be tabled outside the, it had to be taken out to be tivled. And now that it was taken out, v'shaychten aysay v'chel, v'shaychten, okay? The word shoteich, shoteach, we find this in Bogmetziah as well, I'm sure other places, but uh, what you're supposed to do when you find an object that needs to be shaken out and spread out so it doesn't get ruined when you find it, 
you spread it out in the chel. Okay, a chel is uh, an area uh, a little bit outside of the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, but Meishi Tzricha Erev Shamash, because you're not allowed to bring it back in until you have Erev Shamash, until you have nightfall. If let's say it was new, meaning it never became Tameh, what they would do is before they would inaugurate any vessel in the Mishkan and in the Beis HaMikdash, they would be Tevil it automatically. It was an automatic Tevila. So I'm not being Tevil it because there's a Tuma. I'm being Tevil it to like inaugurate it. Okay? Shait's going to say, Al-Gaga they would spread it out on the gag, the roof of the platform of the itzdeva in the Beis Hamikdash, and Kadeshi The purpose of that was so that people would be able to come and ooh and ah about the beauty of the parechas, this covering that you know was going to be used to separate the Kadesh and the Kadesh Hakadosh. Okay, now why would they ooh and ah? Says the Mishnah. The thickness of the curtain was in it was a, a, a hand with the tapach, okay? Between 3.3 and 4 inches or so. And it was merag, it was woven on, on 72 nimen. Nimen are, are uh, uh, I need a fancy word for this, um, you know, like warps that they would go back and forth on. It was very fine, you know, very high uh, thread count. I'll call Nima Venima, and on each thread, Esrim Ba'arba Chutim, each thread was woven of 24 strands. They would take 24 strands, twist that together, and that became one thread. Archa Arbaim Ama. So it was a, a tefach wide, 40 amos long, so between 60 and 80 feet long, v'rochva esrim, and between 30 and 40 feet wide, u'mishmainim u'shtayim ribu, and it was made out of 820,000 um, haya nasis. It was strands made of gold. U'shtayim aysim aysa b'chol shana, and they would make two of these curtains annually, and it took 300 kaihanim to be taivalit in the mikvah. Now, the Gemara is going to discuss how you have 300. If you, it's, you're right, it's huge. But if you have, as we've learned from Shabbos and, and numerous places, each person takes up an ama and wood. So how are you going to fit 300 people there? The Gemara will get into this. Says the Gemara Azai. Here we go. If the Torah says, whenever the Torah used the word chut to use a string, echad, it means one string. Kafel, the shnayim. If it says that it's got to be kafel, doubled, so that means two strings. Shazur, if we use the word shazur, that means shleisha. Moshzar is lashisha, that means that it's double of three, it's going to be six. Um, arba, um, and, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Mashzar Lashisha, the word Mashzar means that there were six, and there was also Arba. In each one of these six strings, there were four different colors in each string. Mikan Esrim Arba. And therefore, it's going to come out, you have a total of 24 strings. It wasn't 24, 
it was 32. Now, why? What's this machlekes between 24 and 32? How did we, you know, uh, where's this whole machlekes coming from? Says the Gemara. Ilu amar chot. If the Torah ever says the word chot to use a string, echot, that's one couple. If it says couple, you double it to two. Shazur la'arba, shazur. So he's arguing. He says shazur does not mean three. It means four. Mosar now goes from, since it's not three to six, it's going from four to eight. Arba, eight, each one had four different colors in it. What's eight times four? 32. Time we learned in the price. So is Arba Mishmaina. Had he got 48? Azoi. Ilu Amarchotiv, you're going to say Echot Echot. Kofal Ishnayim, double it to two. Klia, so he's adding in a word here. Klia, which means there's it's braids, that means three. Shazor, you're doubling it to six. Shisha. Moshzar is, an, since he has an extra word here, so you could double it one additional time. So you go from 2 to 3, 3 to 6, 6 to 12, and each one of the 12 had four different colors, so Arba, 12 times 4, 48. Each one of these strings uh, on, on the rope had 48 strands inside of each one. Beautiful. This was the beauty that went into the curtains. One Pasuk tells us that the, the Pereiches was made it was a craftsman embroiderer. Okay, somebody who had special, special talents. That it was Okay, now Choshev means somebody who thought of the planning of this. Thoughts. Now, are we dealing with the one, is it, are we focusing on the one designing it, the one, you know, behind the vision of what it's going to look like, or the one creating it? That's the discrepancy here. What does it mean that it was done by an embroiderer? That's talking about one side. teaches me that there were two faces to it, two sides to the Paraychas. Ari Mikan Bechalak Mikan. There was a picture of a lion on one side, and the other side was empty. My Sechayshev teaches me Ari Mikan Vari Mikan. There's a picture of a lion on both sides. Vecharana Omar. Another Madi Omar says, My Serai came, that it was the work of an embroiderer. It means Ari Mikan Vari Mikan, a lion on both sides. My Sechayshev teaches me Ari Mikan Venesher Mikan, that there was a lion on one side and an eagle on the other side. And we're familiar with the meanings of these animals, right? The lion and the eagle, the lion is stark, strong, gesund. It was supposed to serve Hashem. Uh, and also eagle. You know, a lion's powerful, but guess what? An eagle is powerful, but graceful. And when we serve Hashem, it's got to be done with grace. It's got to be done with beauty. All right. Here we go, Viter in the Gemara. Last couple lines here. Last couple lines of this Mishnah. Bishmainim ushtayim riboy haisinas. The Perechus was made of 820. Thousand uh, golden dinners. says Guzma. This is a Guzma. A Guzma means it's an exaggeration. Taminon, Taninon. And we learned elsewhere, Palmim, there were times, there were about 300 core of gold on this. Okay? Now, 300 core uh, is a tremendous amount of ashes that were taken out. That's also. Um, that's also going to be an exaggeration. Rabbi Yaisi, Bey Rabbi, Boom, Meshem Shmuel says Guzma. That's also an exaggeration, okay? So the same way you find the Perechas, so we find, the Gemara's Levitas, we find that when, 
when the mish, sometimes when Mishnayas use exorbitant numbers, a tremendous number, then you could know it's an exaggeration. If it's a, if it's a sensible one, it's not going to be an exaggeration. But when it goes beyond senses, then we have Misaira, we have tradition speaking that this 820,000 golden dinners attached, it means that it was as much as possible. That was the beauty of the Pereiches. And we will hold it here for today. Bezjam, tomorrow evening at 6.20, we will pick up from Halacha Gimel, the Mishnah, and Be'ezas Hashem, complete Mesech